Welcome to CPAC's Today in Politics. It's Monday, May 29th. I'm Julie Van Dusen. Here are the big political stories we're talking about today. Criticism continues nearly a week after the release of David Johnson's report on foreign interference. They're not questioning his report. They're only questioning his integrity. Uh, I'd suggest that opposition leaders and indeed Canadians take a look at his report uh, and understand the work that he's done in this. And Albertans head to the polls in what appears to be a tight race between Daniel Smith's UCP and Rachel Notley's NDP. I don't think anyone ought to feel secure. I think both parties are a little bit uh, giving off some goat rodeo vibe right now, which is not unusual at this point of the campaign. Joining me now is Rob Russo, political analyst and former CBC Parliamentary Bureau Chief. Thanks for joining me this early, Rob. Nice to see you. My pleasure, Julie. So uh, last week, the House was on a break, but of course, uh, David Johnson came out with his report on Chinese interference and interference in, in general. And uh, there was a lot of dismay by those who wanted a public inquiry because that's not what he's recommended. And uh, it's been kind of furor all last week. Where do you see it going in the coming weeks? Uh, I see a, a couple of things happening. Um, one that will have direct bearing on the future of the government. The, num- the number one thing I see happening is a relentless pulverization of David Johnson's reputation. Um, it, it seems uh, that it's not enough for people to cast out on his uh Independence and, and then and then the pillory is report. Um, the, the, they're just uh, the, the reporting and the journalism on on the guy's reputation is, has been uh, ceaseless. There was a like a two two page uh, two page spread in uh, the Journal de Montréal on the weekend. I don't know if you saw it that outlined his very very close ties to China. Everybody knew he'd visited China. He said. Uh, some nice things about about the relationship between Canada and China, but this pointed out that he's been a, a xenophile, as they call them, um, for for a long, long time. And and the goal of this clearly is to say that he he was in the bag for for uh, for throwing a blanket over uh, uh, the request for a public inquiry, uh, and that's got to be tough to take. You talk to the people around the former governor general. And he apparently uh, knows that he made a mistake and should never have accepted this uh, this assignment from the prime minister and that uh, uh, he was going to be pilloried one way or another uh, because of his recommendation not to bring in a committee uh, or not to bring in a public inquiry. So that's the first thing that that's gonna, we're going to see with this, this relentless denigration of the man's reputation. The second thing I think is more material to the future of the government and that's uh, uh, NDP leader Jagmeet Singh's uh, decision to go ahead and review the classified material that's in the annex to uh, Mr. Johnson's report. Um, and, and therein lies um, um, some doubts that might be cast over the future of the government. Um, he said that he wants to see it. He wants to see it on, uh, on the condition that he will not in any way be bound by uh, by silence, if he judges the material to be um, lackluster, if, if it doesn't merit not holding a public inquiry, because he's going in there demanding that a public inquiry be held, along with the leaders of the Conservative Party and the Bloc. Should he maintain that position after seeing the material, 
uh, well, uh, will his insistence on a public inquiry breach, put a breach between him and, and Justin Trudeau and the Liberals and the agreement they have not to bring down the government? Is this an issue uh, that may finally uh, threaten the future of a government, uh, which is almost a routine procedure in most minority governments, but that we haven't really seen since the two men concluded a pact uh, on, uh, on confidence and supply? Well, yeah, and it's interesting getting back to David Johnson. I guess he can expect so much more of this. Um, he wrote an op-ed piece saying, I won't be dissuaded from finishing my work. Um, I want to have some more public hearings. I want to have another report come out in October. But like you say, I mean, Pierre Poilievre's Instagram has got all these pictures of him hanging out with the Trudeaus. Um, you know, his kids went to school in China. Like you say, I think the attacks will just continue. And when you're talking about Jagmeet Singh, the two other opposition leaders, um, you know, Yves-Francois Blanchette of the Bloc, and of course, Pierre Poilievre have said, we don't want any part of looking at this stuff. Uh, we won't be muzzled because if we look at these documents and they're deemed secret, then we can't talk about what we see. And they're putting a lot of pressure on Jagmeet Singh to kind of stand up and uh, not uh, cooperate and basically just say, this is my bottom line. I want a public inquiry. But, Rob, we've only got a couple of weeks left before the House recesses. How is this all going to resolve itself? Well, again, there is there is going to be an enduring um, quality to this story, even though I think the Liberals thought that it would go away once Mr. Johnston's report came down, because he's going to hold hearings. He says he's going to hold hearings on the issue of foreign interference to outline how serious it is and, and what uh, governments can do to make sure that they communicate better. That's in reference to the fact that several of these um, reports, intelligence reports on on the uh, activities of China against MPs, for instance, never got to the prime minister, never got to the relevant minister. So the issue is not going to go away. I think the opposition leaders looking at polls probably feel themselves in a pretty good position should the government fall over this this issue. Well, one person who can't uh, say that for sure is, is Jagmeet Singh. He does not know what an election on this issue would actually mean for the NDP. I'm I'm not sure that the opposition leaders want to want to fight an election on this basis. So though once campaigns start, they they become about something else. Rarely about the, the issue that that led to the, the dissolution of parliament. Um, uh, but but you never know. It's it is going to be it seems a, a bit like like uh, the eagle eating Prometheus's liver. Uh, <laughs> it, it, this is this this is going to be pecked away at all. We summer. have to have that thought so early in the morning. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but is it the issue that uh, that will um, uh, affect voters as they go in to cast their ballots? I'm, I'm not sure that it is. I think bread and butter issues will continue to be uh, the the kind of uh, ballot choice questions, and and whether or not the government deserves a fourth mandate. Uh, those will be the the uh, the issues that will really affect voters, but. It's not helping the government. It's not helping David Johnston. And it is putting a bit of a squeeze on Jagmeet Singh. Well, just a, just a thought. When you talk about voters and so on, um, with a minority parliament, like who knows when the next election will happen, with Pierre Poiliev especially trashing the process, um, you know, not wanting to um, let David Johnston be the guy to get to the bottom of it and so on. What happens if we have a snap election in the fall? Are we supposed? What if Polyev wins? Is this isn't this a double-edged sword? I mean, are we supposed to trust as 
the electorate out there that this process that he trashed elected him fair and square. Yeah, uh, the people speak, and when they speak, they've spoken. Everybody, everybody agrees on that. It, I mean, it all depends on the result, too, Julie. Right, but how do we you know, know there wasn't all this Chinese interference and other interference that we never kind of got to the bottom of, and he wins? Well, well, I, I think that one way or another, everybody has accepted that that there is interference. I, um, I think the reason why the opposition, and quite frankly, a, a lot of other people want wanted a public inquiry was to find out really what the prime minister and his government did in response to that threat. Um, so they wanted to find out whether or not there were, were any witting or unwitting uh, uh, people who are complicit in the escalation of Chinese interference and, and perhaps Russian and, and Iranian interference as well. Because uh, the issue is not going to go away. Uh, we aren't the only ones bedeviled by this. All the Five Eyes countries are facing increased uh, surveillance, uh, attempts at intimidation, attempts at influence by the Chinese and, and by others as well. Uh, so we are going to have to deal with it. Um, but I can't see in any way where uh, a government led by Pierre Poilier would would uh, do anything more than uh, thank Mr. Johnson for his efforts and then ignore them. Of course. Yeah. So, <clears throat> OK, certainly something to keep our eye on in the next couple of weeks, and especially since David Johnson is also going back to the Procedure and House Affairs Committee on June 6th to talk about his report and answer more questions. Let's move on to the Alberta election that happens today. The polls are showing a very tight race, sometimes with uh, <clears throat> with Daniel Smith's party in the lead. But what will you be looking for tonight? What What, what will you be watching for? Well, um, as, as a guy who um, um, I, I, I'm very interested in polling, I like polling, but I, I often find that polling um, and the way we in the media use polling uh, um, is, is um, it, well, it reveals its weaknesses. Where, when, if you look at the professionals who use polling, particularly during campaigns, they don't pay very much attention to the larger numbers, the sort of broader numbers, in this case, province-wide numbers. They really just focus in on, on, on some key questions and some key areas. So I'll be interested to see how the polling results, because essentially all of the polls now are calling for a Danielle Smith win. Um, and, and they keep saying that it's going to be close. It's going to be close. None of the polling I see suggests that it's going to be close. Um, it, because if, if most of the polls are right and you take them in their aggregate, uh, uh, Mrs. Smith seems to be headed for a majority a majority government. We'll see how that does. I I often believe that we're you know election night brings surprises. It op- almost always brings surprises when it comes to polling, um, and and we'll see if that's true. Then uh, I'll see if it is Miss Smith who is elected premier. I'll be interested in seeing what she says in her um, remarks about the relationship with the federal government, because in a sense, in essence, she didn't run against Rachel Notley in many cases. She ran against Justin Trudeau and Jagmeet Singh as much as she ran against Rachel Notley. Um, you know, there, there were some moments of cooperation between the federal government and, and, and the province over child care uh, and health care. But those those areas of cooperation were, were in essence, um, the feds cutting checks to the provinces. And they said, sure, I'll take the money. Um, and, and, and that included Alberta. But I, I want to see uh, if she begins to take the fight to the feds. If she, if, if she wins a mandate, 
depending on the size of the mandate, uh, whether or not she immediately goes into areas that are contentious. Uh, that, that's what I'll be looking for tonight. Well, it'll be interesting to see, too, like, <clears throat> obviously, with the uh, Daniel Smith's party, uh, which is which is has gone quite far to the right, you get people like Lee Richardson, a former um, conservative MP in the Mulroney government saying it's just too far right for me. Uh, you wonder, first of all, where will those progressive conservatives go? Right. Will they go? Will they be able to take the leap to Rachel Notley? That's what he says he's doing. Will that be 10 people or more? Like there's a lot of uh, open questions. But as you said, just about what it means to Ottawa, um, Stephen Harper endorsed uh, Daniel Smith. So did Pierre Polyev. Um Stephen Harper said in his video that basically, you know, she's the liberals in Ottawa want Rachel Notley to win. And that would be very bad for the economy. Do you sense that, uh, you know, Justin Trudeau will heave a big sigh of relief tonight if Rachel Notley won? I'm, I'm sure that he would, because the relationship with Alberta would be a lot less contentious. Uh, so, so yeah, he would. The, there is a reason why Daniel Smith linked uh, Miss Notley and and uh, the Prime Minister at every opportunity. They they are far more simpatical. Although she points out that uh, Miss Notley that she's a fierce defender of Calgary's oil and gas industry. She is. Yeah, and uh, that she's she also, the one that put in a pipeline. Like she's. Uh, that's, that's right. Although that pipeline, my goodness, you you would you wouldn't want to be bragging too loudly about <laughs> that pipeline. Yeah. Now that it's tripled, quadrupled in in price, uh, exactly. and and that it'll it'll never be uh, it'll never be profitable. However, it did show a willingness for uh, the, the the federal government to actually invest in something that was important to the people of Alberta who want to develop their resource, and that's getting their product to a market, and that's Asia in particular that will see a real growth uh, in the demand for for uh, uh, fossil fuels. So uh, it did. It did show something, but you know, uh, there 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 are no end of confrontation points. And it's interesting you mentioned Stephen Harper there because he was the guy who uh, was one of the co-authors of the original firewall letter. Do you remember? Do you remember yes, that? Yes, of course, where, of course. Where, yeah, where where there was a call for Alberta to, to take uh, almost uh, kind of a sovereignty association mm -hmm. uh, posture vis-a-vis -vis Ottawa, particularly when it came to the resources. Right. So. Will we see if if Daniel Smith is is uh, is elected premier? Will we see uh, her going back to some elements of elements of the Sovereignty Act that she has proposed, particularly on things like uh, Alberta's own pension plan, uh, Alberta setting up its own police force? Uh, the, these are there are areas that that are going to lead to extensive negotiations with Ottawa that 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 could be thorny. But the real the real point of confrontation between Ottawa and Alberta will be uh, over uh, things like the proposal for electric electrical grids to be net zero by 2035 and and pending legislation to help Canadian workers adapt to the global move towards reno renewable energy. These are all things that uh, that, that are seen as a threat uh, in, in Alberta and into Alberta's workforce. And these are areas uh, that you could expect. A government led by uh, Daniel Smith to, to be to be uh, you know really tough tough uh, moments for the uh, for Confederation, not just in Alberta. I'd say in Saskatchewan as well. 
Right. So, yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see what happened because she did get a bit of a break in the first couple of weeks in terms of the scrutiny on her, because unfortunately, with all the forest fires, people were getting a chance to see a different uh, side of her leadership. But like you say, I mean, the feds are trying to figure out a cap on emissions. Um, You know, that's going to butt right into her policy of, you know, where she has said many times she's going to stand up for the energy sector and tell the federal government to stick to its lane. She's got her sovereignty act. So I guess, you know, the rest of us will be nibbling our popcorn tonight, watching it, but <laughs> Justin Trudeau, especially. Yeah. I, yeah. I, he'll, I, he'll, he'll be, he'll be watching it in a whole different way. And those of us who, who, who know the humanity of politics and know some of these people as human beings, you, you got to be riveted by the, the, by the possibility, or you know, no matter who wins tonight, of of uh, of this as um, uh, the culmination of an act of political redemption. Whoever wins tonight will, yeah. one way or another, be redeemed. Uh, we have never uh, seen somebody go from premier to opposition leader back to premier since Alan Blakeney did it in mm-hmm. 1986. Mm-hmm. It's such a rare, rare thing, and that could happen if Rachel Notley comes back into power. And let's not people forget that Danielle Smith was supposed to be premier in 2012, but she was considered a bit too radical. People didn't trust her judgment. And in came Alison Redford. Right. Uh, exactly. Uh, not expected. It. And, and, and she and and she there was a series of missteps by Danielle Smith after that. But uh, people seem uh, or her her entire campaign has been. Yes, I've made mistakes. Yes, I've stumbled, but I have risen. I've come back. I've acknowledged my mistakes. So both of these uh, women would represent a a kind of crackling act of redemption in in a way. Uh, And if you like politics and if you are interested, like we are, I think, in the humanity of politics, the people who go into politics, the the human tendencies they show, it's going to be a great political spectacle. Absolutely. So we'll see where that goes tonight and uh, a lot to watch for, Rob. So um, I'm going to let you go now. You have a wonderful day, and I will talk to you in the very near so, future. So what do you mean you're going to let me go? I can't just stay here. I can't just sit here and <laughs> well, watch. You can, like, you can, you can, you can actually just park right there and not move <laughs> and wait for the whole show to start tonight. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Have a great day. That's Rob Russo, political analyst and former CBC Parliamentary Bureau Chief. Now, let's take a look at what political columnists, commentators, and editorialists are saying today. In the Globe and Mail, Kevin Lynch and Paul Deegan ask what Canada is doing as the U.S. and the EU move quickly on competition and antitrust. They write, the U.S. president has signed an executive order on promoting competition in the American economy. And there is the competition policy leadership in the digital domain emanating from Brussels. But with all of this activity on the competition front in both the U.S. and EU, where's Canada? Is it even on the agenda? Our last major look at competition policy was in 2007-2008. Re-energizing competition is a broader challenge than updating our competition laws to better reflect a digital services-driven economy and to better align with like-minded countries. Any chance of success will require a whole-of-government effort to break down regulatory barriers and enshrine the mindset of competition as a sustainable source of jobs and growth. That will not be easy in today's fragmented political and policy climate. 
In the Toronto Star, Jamie Watt considers what the next Ontario Liberal leader needs to succeed. He writes, The task before the Ontario Liberals defeating a majority government from their current third place is as vast as it is difficult. It will require Liberals to build and cultivate a groundswell, a movement for change. They will need a convincing narrative that helps advance the idea that change is desperately needed. They'll need to show their party represents that change, and they'll require a candidate who captures the electorate's imagination. That means someone more than just an opportunist who likes the way the winds are blowing, but a leader who sees the Liberals' third-party status as a luxury and who is willing to put in the hard work necessary to rebuild and redefine it. Anything less, and they are destined for defeat. Now, here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. The Prime Minister will attend the official welcoming ceremony for the President of Iceland, Guni Johansson. Later today, he will participate in a bilateral meeting with the president, and tonight he will attend a dinner for the president. Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland will attend question period, and this evening, she will appear at the House of Commons Committee of the Whole to discuss the main estimates for the Department of Finance, 2023-2024. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will take questions from reporters before attending question period. In the evening, he will attend a state dinner in honour of the President of the Republic of Iceland. Green Party leader Elizabeth May will deliver a keynote speech to the plenary of the Federation of Canadian Municipalities annual conference in Toronto. Environment Minister Stephen Gilbo and Immigration Minister Sean Fraser will make a funding announcement on affordability and clean economy in Chester, Nova Scotia. Ministers of Families, Karina Gould, will be in Ottawa to make an announcement related to social innovation and finance. And Minister of Employment, Carla Qualtro, will announce funding in Winnipeg for community and workplace projects under the Enabling Accessibility Fund. That's CPAC today in Politics for Monday, May 29th. Tune in to Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. I'm Julie Van Dusen. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.